about uh, discipline and how this chapter begins to deal with uh, church discipline, if you will, in other uh, in other religious uh, bodies. They call it uh, excommunication. And excommunication is when a, a, a Christian is cut off from the body uh, because they refuse to change their sinful attitudes and sinful ways. They've fallen away and efforts have been made to bring them back to the faith. However, they refuse to come back, which God clearly states, and as we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, that such a person, once they've been, uh, once they've reached out to them, uh, they are to be turned over to, to Satan for the destruction of their flesh. But as I said this morning, before you can understand church discipline, you have to have a good understanding of what discipline is. And we talked a little bit about discipline from a very, uh, from a very general perspective this morning. Uh, this evening, I would like for us to come back to 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and, and just look at a few things uh, as we uh, move toward this particular topic. I'll begin reading. Uh, matter of fact, we're going to pick up reading 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And we're going to back up to about verse 14. Um, and we hear Paul writing. He's writing and he, he sounds just like a parent, just like a father, who is, who is, who is just uh, desperately concerned about his children because Paul established this, 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 this congregation in Corinth, the Church of Christ in Corinth. And the Bible says that I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. For though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet ye have not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. For this cause I have sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. Now some are puffed up as though I would not come to you. But I will come to you shortly, if the Lord will, and will not, and will know not the speech of them which are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. What will ye? Shall I come unto ye with a rod, or in love, and in the spirit of meekness? So now we see uh, Paul is writing to them, and he's saying, uh, it, 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 it's up to you. Because see, there's some things that are taking place there. Uh, that I'm going to have to, to deal with. And, 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 and some have become puffed up in the fact that they didn't want to be uh, humbly submitting themselves to some foolishness or to some man that they couldn't see. They didn't want to be living this life for a purpose for a man they couldn't see, for a God that they couldn't see. Now, true enough, they said, I believe and I've become a Christian. But see, uh, uh, as, as we tend to do sometimes, once we make that decision, we start to live the life, sometimes we tend to become a little lax, just as they had in Corinth. They have been given all of these, all of these gifts, all of these talents. They have been given a purpose in God. But the thing is, uh, uh, they have been instead of instead of continually, as we see in Acts chapter two, continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and keeping their minds nourished in the Word, they started to fall back on their own thinking. They started to fall back on their own perspective. They started to view themselves as better than one another, as uh, instead of all of us working together in Christ Jesus. And Paul heard about this, and he sent the letter down to them. And as you can see, as he's saying, I'm not writing these things to shame you. I'm writing these things to warn you. Anybody who loves you will truly warn you. If somebody loves you, they'll always seek to warn you of impending danger. 
But now, what your attitude is will determine how you receive that warning. Now, if you are one who is humble, and you realize that every decision that you make isn't always right, and everything you feel isn't always right, then you'll be more apt to hear, remembering that, look, I don't know everything. We just studied last Sunday in, in, in the preceding verse in uh, first chapter 4 to not lift men above that which is written. So there are times when my thoughts and my actions are going far beyond what God has said. And the Bible teaches us that if you go beyond the, 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 the teachings of Christ, you have not the Son nor the Father. And if you have neither of them, you are lost, completely lost, and you have no direction. So Paul is saying, I'm trying to warn you. And what am I trying to warn you to do? To get back on track. See, what we'll find is one of the, one of the purposes of discipline, and if you were to write the word discipline down, you notice that part of the word discipline is disciple. And the purpose of discipline is to train the disciple in the order that is desired by the master. So now Paul is writing to those who have obeyed the gospel to remind them of the master's instructions and the way that he wants them to live. Now I'm warning you. He says, because I'm on the way down here. And when I get there, I'm going to deal with everybody that's puffed up and rejecting the word. And it's not going to be word. I'm coming with power. And it's not my power, it's the power of God. And it's the power of God that works in unseen ways. Does that make sense to anybody? <clears throat> what I mean is, see, see, there are many times when we're doing things, we're puffed up, we're arrogant, we're full of ourselves, and because we don't see the immediate consequences of whatever we're doing, we tend to think that we're all scot-free. But remember, God will not be mocked. And he is exacting He's exacting his correction and his discipline with power in, in, in areas that you have not yet even seen. There's punishment coming, because that's the other side of discipline. Punishing, penalizing for the purpose of perfecting moral character and obedience. So see, there's some punishments that are set up for what you're doing. And, and, and God is saying, you don't have to be punished this way. If you will receive my discipline, get back on track, you can avoid some bumps that are coming down the road. And the purpose of those bumps are to level no. off the knot in your head. You don't understand what I'm talking about? Nobody knows what a knucklehead is? Hard-headed? Knucklehead? <laughs> you can see when, when John when John first came as the forerunner of Christ, he said the preaching of the gospel, the preaching would level the hills and level the mountains. What was he talking about? He was talking about the stubbornness in mankind. He would level the hearts and prepare it for the coming of Christ. So there's some things and some attitudes and some ways that we have right now that we are uh, kind of complacent and relaxed and think we're okay because we don't see the impending danger. We don't see the punishment that is coming forth to correct you. Remember we read this morning in Hebrews chapter 12 that God does what? He, 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 he disciplines those that he loves. If he didn't love you, he wouldn't discipline you. He says if he doesn't discipline you, then, 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 you, then you have no father and you're illegitimate and you don't belong to anyone. But he says you're mine. And because you belong to me, I love you, I will teach you, I will discipline you, because I care for you. Huh? Uh, and I've often shared with you, I once had a basketball coach who would often say, listen, listen, when I get yelling, don't, don't take it personal. 
He says, I, sometimes I'm yelling, I'm saying these things because I know the talent that you have. I know the potential that you have. I know when you're slacking. I know when you're dragging, and it's unacceptable. So when I jump on your back, it's because I see you being slack. Instead of taking it personal, getting your feelings hurt, your nose open and, air, and, and, and jaws full of air, say that the coach, why is the coach correcting me? The coach is correcting me because I'm just one part of this team. And he needs me to get my part together. Because if my part of the team isn't together, then guess what? The whole team suffers. He said that the coach would say, listen, when you want to be concerned is when I stop him. He said, because if you don't know at that moment, I no longer can. Now, I'm not saying all discipline has to come with yelling. No, I'm not saying But what I am saying is that discipline must be persistent. It must be direct. It must be passionate. It must be honest. It must be sincere. And it must be done in love. Huh? See, see, that's when children, uh, sometimes, you know, you, you, sometimes somebody's saying something to you, and they might be saying something right, but you being hung up on what? How they saying it. And good people be like, well, it ain't what you say, it is how you say it. <laughs> and that's true. But at the same time, whatever's being said to you, you ought to listen to it. Sift through and see if some of it is true. What part of it can I use? And then try to apply it. Because there's something coming down. There's a warning coming down. God is letting you know, right? So Paul is saying, I'm warning you. And he says, and here's how I'm going to help you. He says that because not many, he says, you have thousands of churches, but not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore, I beseech you, be followers of me, for this cause I sent unto you Timotheus. So he says, look, in all in Corinth, this place is like, a, like we talk about in ancient Las Vegas. And he says, there's a lot of confusion and a lot of distractions. So what I'm going to do, he says, follow me. And as we talk about, what is that? The apostles saying, follow me, but follow me as I follow Christ. Man. And he says, for this reason, because I can't be there, I'm going to send the next best thing, my son, Timothy. Now, Tim Timothy wasn't his biological son, but Timothy was his son in the gospel who he trained, who he taught, and who he raised in his doctrine. He says, because I can't be there to look over you as I would for my children, I'm sending the next, I'm sending Timothy. He has the same love. And when Timothy gets there, you respect him in the same way you would respect me. You respect us in the same way you would respect the one who sent us, Christ Jesus. Does that make sense? So if we're going to teach, if we're going to be disciplined, right, even when we're teaching our children discipline, we need our children to understand that you are to follow the example of authority that is put, into, put before you. Huh? If mama and daddy aren't there, that does not mean you're not under authority. If mama's not there, daddy's not there, the teacher's there. And if the teacher's there, the teacher is an extension of my authority. Therefore, the 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 the, the and she, they're the ten, they're extension of my authority, just as me as your parent and this teacher are an extension of God's authority over you. Huh? We got to do away with that. You ain't my mama. You ain't my daddy. You don't be telling me nothing. You seen children do that? 
discipline, I'm supposed to remind you to keep training yourself. I keep training myself. Why? So that we can become patterns of good work in Titus 2, verse 7. Each one of us, each Christian, is supposed to be a pattern of good works. Well, what do you mean, Brother Johnson? To be, how about this? Now, I want you to decide this. How about being a pattern of good attitude? He might be asking for some money right there. You ever thought about that? Come on, Sister Stacy. Our resident doctor of all statology. The thing is, have you ever thought, have you ever thought about when I go into work or where I go to have this conversation, I will be a pattern of God's humanity. I will discipline myself. When I say discipline, Discipline means, see, I'm training myself in this way to do this thing regardless of everything else. And we talked about this morning. We, 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 we do very well at training ourselves in our jobs and in our professions and in school. Why can't we train ourselves in the faith? I'm going to be a pattern of a good attitude. I'm going to be a pattern of a better mouth. Y'all know what I mean by better mouth? James chapter 3 talks about how that tongue is a dangerous thing. It's the smallest thing. It's the smallest thing on a on a ship, but it can wreck the whole ship. Hmm? I, I'm gonna go in and I'm gonna be a pattern of 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 of, of a good moral mouth. All right, and with that, we can bless it for God. And see, guess what? You don't have to be cursing to bless somebody out. You know what I mean? You can say things in ways that cut deeper than curse words. And it's because of the, 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 the disposition of your heart. So, so, so uh, children, children, try this. Ch children, try being the model of obedient children. Now, parents, I need you to help them. That means when they start that, that, that means don't pass out like you're having a heart attack. And say, where's my child who snatched them? Bring them back. No, when they make that change, I'm talking about being a pattern. So that means that not only right after the last amen am I going to say my attitude needs to be better. Then guess what? I'm going to remind myself that my attitude needs to be better on the way to the car. Then when I get in the car, I'm going to remind myself as I ride home that my attitude needs to be better. <laughs> then when I get to the house and I walk up to the house, from the, from the, from the car to the house, I'm going to remind myself that I have to have a better attitude. Then when I get in the house, huh? Then I got and I'm walking around and I'm and I'm talking about won't y'all pick up stuff and I'm sick and tired of stepping over everything and you act like you can't, you got no hangers, ain't got no closet, nowhere. I'm gonna remind myself to have a better attitude. Do you understand what I'm talking about? When that thorn in the side calls you on the phone, I'm gonna remind myself. See, that's discipline. Discipline comes when you keep doing it. It comes through repetition. Right? So then he says, Timothy will put you in mind of these things that I teach in every church, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord will and will know not to speak to them who are puffed. I know who's puffed up for the kingdom is with power. He says, now how should I come? Should I come to you in love? Or should I come to you with a rod? The rod it, it, it represents it represents uh, it represents it, it represents discipline. And see, if you ever read, if you ever read about the shepherd who has a rod and a staff, uh, in Psalm, in, in the book of Psalm, rod and staff they comfort me. All right. Well, if you ever see a shepherd, see the rod part was that long 
See, you ever see it? It's a stick. It goes up like this, then it curls right there on the end. All right? Now, when, when, now when he's guiding the sheep, he uses the rod. Like if the sheep starts to go over there, he might use that straight part of it. Put it right back in line. That's the rod. Huh? But if they get too far, then you might use the hook in it. Bring them back on in. See, the rod and the staff, they come for me. So when you start to straight, you use that rod to reach out and guide them back in line. That's the purpose of discipline. Discipline is to guide yourself back, to keep yourself on the right track. How many of us have goals right now? You have goals right now. But because of your lack of discipline, you're not achieving the goals. Or you, or you keep getting to the same point, quitting and starting over because of a lack of discipline. Huh? Now you can achieve that thing, but you've got to put God first, stay focused on Christ, the author and finisher of your salvation, and don't be detoured from the path. See, in 1 Corinthians 5 there, he says, it's been reported that among you there is fornication among you, such fornication as is not even named amongst the Gentiles. And yes, he's talking about sexual immorality, incest, and it was forbidden from the Old Testament like we read this morning. This boy had his father's wife. That's his stepmother. And see, he was talking to the Corinthian Christians because they had a very twisted view of grace. They thought that because of God's flowing grace, that no matter what you did, you were going to be all right. This boy thought he could continue to live with his, uh, with his stepmother in an incestuous relationship, and it was going to be all right. And the members of the Corinthian church, they didn't even look at it. He said, grace covers everything, and grace will be all right. But Romans chapter 6 tells you, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. He never intended that. He intended you to be corrected and brought back in, brought back in line. And what we're talking about is, and see, when we, when we start to stray away, when we start to let the flesh come in, then that causes us to do the opposite of what God would want us to do, which is bind together. It divides us. It divides every house, every friendship, every relationship. It divides. And most, and most importantly, it divides you from God. Huh? Because that's that immorality. And we talked about that the sexual immorality is wrong, but it's just a fruit of a much deeper root, which is the lack of discipline. I'm saying I will stick to what I know God has said is right. You, anybody know what I'm talking about? Let me, it's kind of like when you tell your children, you say, you say, listen, this is what you're supposed to do. Now, I don't care what nobody else do. This is what you do. All right? Now, I, 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 I can't talk about them and them. They don't belong to me. I'm talking about you. And if that, and if that child is properly disciplined, no matter what happens, they know that no matter where they are or what's happening, mama's voice is in their mind telling them what they are to do and what mama ought, have, ought to have told them to do is exactly what God would have them to do. That makes sense to anybody? Huh? And I, and I, and I told y'all about my messed up life. Now, my mother never told me to fight. <laughs> and I did that on my own. And it was wrong as the day is long. But I was always taught with my mother. I was always taught what the Bible said. And that is to turn the other cheek. And I learned to do that. Yes, I got hit on it sometimes. But I turned that other cheek. 
You see, see, we should not, if we're going to discipline our children, because if you read in Luke chapter 1, you read about, in Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2, you learn about how Jesus and John were both raised in the nurture and the admonition of God. And then, guess what? A little bit, they received the respect of men and God. So when you raise them in, in God's doctrine, they will be exalted, they will be respected, and they will be blessed. What does that mean? Don't you tell them somebody put their hands on you, you put your hands on them back. <laughs> Don't you teach them children that. Right. Huh? And you can sit around and say, but that's my child. No, it's not your child. That's God's child. You teach them that if you want to, and God will hold you accountable and look you square in the eye and ask you why. You told that child to disobey me. Huh? You ought to be teaching the babies that I got a father who sits up on high who will not suffer me to ever be, to, to be messed with, to be bullied, to be mistreated in any kind of way. My father won't allow me. So I don't have to raise my fist and I don't have to raise my hand. I don't have to raise my voice. I don't have to fuss and fight with you. I don't have to do it. Because my father has already made moves to deal with this situation. Huh? Does it make sense? I'm talking about trying to discipline your child. To, and you know when you teach your child that? You're teaching your child how to properly manage their anger. Huh? You're teaching them how to express their anger in a productive way rather than a destructive way. We have too many children growing up right now who have no control of their anger whatsoever. And they learned it right at home. Huh? So, so we have to we have to understand that. So now, now, now quickly, uh, if we will, um, um, uh, Nico, if you can get for me uh, second Second Timothy four two, please, because when we're talking about discipline, and this in that word discipline is disciple. The question we ask is how are we to how are we to to to, to discipline? How are we to do that? We're very talking about who's to do it. That's the preacher. He's supposed to put them in the mind of things and to and to remind them what God would have them to do. And Paul wrote to Timothy. And he told Timothy what he was to do. In 2 Timothy 4, verse 2, what does the Bible say? Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort, all long suffering and teaching. You see that? So how am I supposed to do it? I'm supposed to preach the word. It says in season, out of season. That means, guess what? All the time. It's my job to preach God's word all the time. And be ready anytime, every time, to always give God's word. So what is the example to the Christian? The Christian must be ready. The Christian must be ready to always give encouragement in God's word. But how do I do it? Because in preaching, there is reproving, there is rebuking, and there is exhorting. Huh? But let's not get caught up in, see, reproving and rebuking. Yes, there is some correcting. There is some setting some things straight. But guess how he says do it? You have to do it in two important ways. You have to do it with patience and persistence. The word there, long-suffering. So when you're, when you're trying to uh, uh, give discipline or teach discipline, you have to teach your children discipline with patience and persistence, realizing that it's going to take time. But we study in the book of Mark that sometimes the things, you know who makes things take a long time? We do. Because we're stubborn. 
And we don't want to change. The, the book of Mark taught us that Jesus is, that what's the main word, what's the, what's the main word in the book of Mark? Immediately. And the book of Mark teaches you that Jesus was the, he was the savior on the move, always ready to take action. And he can fix things right now. And he moves immediately if you will just allow him to move in your life. If you'll be disciplined enough to know that I trust what he's going to do. And when he does it, however he does it, however fast he does it, however slow he does it, that's all right. Because if I think he's moving slow, it's only because I'm being stubborn. Huh? Got to think about that. And so, so I have to do an exhorting, exhorting to put sense into. That's very important. Listen, when you're going to teach or discipline a child, a discipline a person, it is very important to tell them the whys and the what for. Hmm? The only one who can get away with because I said so is God Almighty. Huh? Because remember, the child, that's a teachable moment. For the person that you're training, that's a teachable moment. For the person you just met, the person you don't know, in, in a friendship, in a relationship, you don't know the person that's learning, and guess what? They can't know unless you tell them. But you can't keep setting people up to fail. Do you know what I'm talking about? How we set people up to fail? Somebody do something, you don't tell them, you're like, you know what you did. Whatever, don't, 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 don't. You know exactly what you did. No, I don't. Because you, sometimes you make, sometimes you're so busy fussing, right? Sometimes, sometimes you're so busy fussing in the middle of fussing that you think you're saying stuff in your head out loud and you're not. Yeah, you think you're so upset, you think you're really telling them, but you haven't. And you're like, I know I told you. And then when they do stuff, see, this is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. I'm saying that to you. I'm talking to you. That's what I'm talking about. The person can honestly be called. Bible teaches you what? If you're going to, when we're talking about this, right? Bible says, look, if I've done something wrong, right, you got to come let me know. Take it to your brother, right? Personally, if I still act like i got an issue, right, then you go and get Get one of the brothers and elders and say, talk to that elder. Then the two of you come and talk and bring a witness, right? And if I'm still, if I'm still at it, right? Then guess what the Bible says? The Bible says, then you put it before the whole church. Why do you do that? Not to make an example of people, but to say that this thing is wrong, it's in our midst, and it has to be taken out because if it's not, it's going to poison us all. Does that make sense? That's to get it nowhere to hide. So you can't be sitting there saying, they know, they don't know. No, you tell them. And then if they refuse, that's another story. Now, the Bible also says this, that, that you have to do with patience, and you have to have consistent application of the doctrine, which is God's word. So here's the thing. What you're teaching them, be careful. Be careful that what you're teaching them, you need to make sure you need to make sure you're teaching them God's will and not your own will. God's desire and not your own preference. Go with me over to 1 Timothy uh, chapter 6. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, the Bible says this. In verse 1, Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. And they that have believing masters, let them, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved partakers of the benefit. These things teach 
and exhort, if any man teach otherwise and consent not to the wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but knowing about questions and strife, and words wherefore cometh envy, strife, railing, and an evil surmising. See that? So when you come, then why do we have to correct them and rebuke them? Because if not, if you go to correct them and they refuse, they're puffed up, too proud, knowing nothing. Think they know everything, know nothing at all. Hmm? And he says, he says you, have, you have to teach them. And they become, they're perverse, they're disputing of men, they're corrupt minds, destitute of the truth, supposing that gain uh, is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. Did you see what it said? From such that don't want to do the will of God. Who refuse to do the will of God? He said, "From such, withdraw yourself." Now, remember this morning we talked about the purpose of discipline is to train, it is to uh, perfect the mind, it is to bring someone back on track. He says, "Withdraw yourself from them because now they're going to have to be corrected and brought back on track." And unless you want to be caught in that, but notice what it says: "But godliness with contentment is great gain." For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. Now, if you go with me over to Titus, Titus, uh, Titus chapter two, and in Titus chapter two, he says in verse one, he says, "But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and in patience." Now, if you drop down there to verse 7, it says, In all things, uh, uh, in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works and doctrine, showing uncorrupt, un uncorruptness, gravity, and sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he, uh, that he that is of contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say about you. Exhort, exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things, not answering, uh, not answering again, not prolonging, not, not, uh, but, but showing all good fidelity, that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. So then the purpose of, of discipline, again, is so that all will adorn the, the, the doctrine of God. Huh? Is everybody seeing the purpose? The purpose of discipline is not to yell, it's not to jump on, it's not to pick on, it's not to break down, it's not to push out. It's to build up. It's to set back on the right track. It's to correct. And God gave it as a necessary part of the Christian life. He's always believed in discipline. And the Christian life is a disciplined life. How do you think Christ was able to live 33 years and never sinned one time? Because he was so dedicated and focused and disciplined. He was focused on his mission and he would not have <laughs> taken off his course. He did it for us. And the way he's focused, why can't we be focused in the few situations that we are sometimes pressed with? Huh? Why is it? Because, you know, right now when you leave here, when you leave here, there are some situations brewing for you that are going to hit you, that are going to blindside you. And it's Satan who is sitting there saying, you know now that if you let some stuff happen to them, they will curse you to your face. Hmm? Yeah, they're going to sit over there and sing songs and pray and do all that. But let, let somebody step on their foot and watch them curse somebody out. <laughs> let them miss a check and see them lose their mind. Just one check and watch them threaten them to blow up the job. Huh? Some of us, good Christian folk, right? But, but, let, but, let, but let human service, human resources just, just come a day late on that check. We'll see you on Channel 6. 
They're like, no, it ain't. It's going to be all right. And we go down there and pray with them. Huh? Instead of saying, you know what? You know what? My comfort is in the money anyway. My comfort is in Christ Jesus. They say, you know what? This too shall pass. I'm being disciplined so that I can, no matter what happens, stay focused. And remember when they was on that ship and the storm came. They lost their minds. But if they would have disciplined themselves, kept themselves focused on the fact that the master was on board, the storm wouldn't even drop. Hmm? Shouldn't we train our children the same way? Shouldn't we train ourselves the same way? Huh? How many lost jobs do I have in here? Because you couldn't get your attitude right. Because you couldn't get your mouth and you had to, you just had to tell the super, you just had to let them know. I'm so sorry, but I'm, you know, I, I ain't the one, I ain't got that to do. You ain't, so you ain't got that to do. You keep your mouth shut and stay focused and keep your job, but you got to do this sit at the house, collecting nobody's check, and maybe some unemployment, because you couldn't keep your attitude right, just long enough for the person to get out your face and pray to God and keep it in his hand, so now you out of the job. And not only are you out of a job, you've taken one of God's lights in that position. God put you over there to save somebody's soul. But now you've been pushed out and you're sitting on the couch. And got the nerve to be fussing over the phone talking about anti-prejudice. <laughs> it's racist. They racist. That's what it is. It's all about that. No, it's about you and your undisciplined attitude. Huh? Think about it. Let's stop blaming people. Let's stop blaming food for why. Let's, let's stop blaming food for big for big belt line. That ain't the cake's fault. That was you. Huh? But if the cake didn't look so good, did the cake say come eat me? <laughs> you don't have to get up on every commercial and go into the kitchen. <laughs> You don't have to do that. You don't have to sit there and nod on the couch. And as soon as you wake up, first place you go, not the bathroom, straight to the kitchen. <laughs> and sit right back down again. Say, Lord, my head is swimming. I just feel so tight and uncomfortable. Well, why do you think? <laughs> huh? That's you. Step in and let God deal with it. He can cut it. He can cut that away. 
But you got to let God do it. And he says, and see, it's just when your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye were, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our, our, our Passover is sanctified for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to not to company uh, with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or the idolaters, for then must you needs go out of this world. But now I have written to you to, to not keep company. If a man that is called a brother be a fornicator, covetous, idolater, a railer, a drunkard, or an extortioner, with, with such a one, know not to eat. For what have I to do? Uh, what have I to do? Judge them that are also without. Do not judge. Do not judge them that are within. But them that are without, without God, judge. Therefore, put away among yourselves the wicked person. The purpose of discipline. The purpose of discipline is to purge from yourself the leaven. Is to purge from yourself the things that are causing you to fall causing you to stumble. He said, leave it at the Corinthian church. You need to find those areas and purge them. Let God cleanse them. See, so there's parts of our attitude that continue to cause us to fall, right? There's numbers in your phone that continue to cause you to fall. There's numbers in your phone that continue to cause you to fall. There's friends that need to be unfriended on Facebook. There's people that need to no longer be tweeted anymore. There's folks you need not follow anymore because you ought to follow Christ Jesus. It's no time to follow them. You need to purge that because a little bit of leaven does what? And leaven is the whole thing. Huh? If I tell you a big truth, you put just a little lie in it. No, it's a big old heavy lie. And if I say that I'm going to follow Christ, but I'm still trying to go back, then I'm not sincerely following Christ. He said, once you put your foot on the gospel fire, huh? you're not worthy if you're looking back. You're not worthy of me. You stepped on this thing to go forward with me. huh? If you say, I want to please Christ, but you're still trying to please me, you're not serving Christ. You've gained the approval of God by becoming a Christian, but if you're still trying to gain the approval of men by going to the places that they go, putting on the clothes they put on, doing all the stuff that they do in the world and trying to be lifted up in the world, then you say, I don't trust God, I don't believe you can do it. Huh? See, so what does that mean? If I'm going to discipline myself, then guess what I need to do? When I have people who are undisciplined around me, and I'm talking about those who refuse to be disciplined, because everybody falls every now and then. It's one thing to fall, it's another thing to throw yourself down. Huh? But I'm all around folks who, who are trying to stay on the ground, who are not trying to be disciplined, then you need to cut away from them and leave them in God's hands. And stop worrying about what you need to do, what you need to do. When you go around them all this time, what good did you do? It's time for you to move. And let God work that out. Stop connecting yourself to dead weight. Let the dead bury the dead. Discipline yourself under God. A pattern of good works. 
Does that make sense anyway? And it's my job to do that. I'm telling you this because when we, because this chapter talks about, see, because there are those in the body of Christ right now. Folks who should be in here right now, but they're not because they have given themselves over to sin. And the job of the elders and the job of myself is to give them a call, go see them and say, are you still walking with the Lord? And if they refuse to walk with the Lord, it is my job and responsibility to say that we must withdraw from them. Now see, none of you, some of you haven't even seen that before. Some of you have only read it, but you've never seen it. But here, we have to start to do it. You know why? Let me talk to my sister. Sister, what's the problem with having dead ends? Look, they, they pray. They pray. You can't leave it. If you leave a dead end in your head, what's it going to do after a while? That split in? It's going to make the whole head sick. We love him with no head trying to talk about it. Listen, I lost my The point is, when you got a dead end, when you got a dead end, you got to slip it, you got to get rid of it, or it will endanger the whole head. Huh? Do I, got any, do I got any gardeners in here? Do I got any gardeners? Well, what happens if you leave a yellow leaf on the plant? You're going to kill it. The whole plant died. So you have to prune it. You have to cut it off to save the whole flock. And these elders, we have that response. They got to make wrong from them. And they have to see who's going to still walk. And if they're not going to walk, then guess what? They have to be there. Everybody needs to know who these people are. And guess what? Yes, they can come up in here. But guess what? You can't extend the right hand of fellowship to it. Ain't no conversation other than when you go meet that right with the Lord. I'm praying with you, but it ain't no, let's go hang out. Let's go have lunch. Uh-uh, ain't none of that. Because you got to step out. I love you too much to get in God's way. God's trying to correct you and bring you home. Just like the prophet son. It's time for discipline, and we must become a disciplined people. And stop being, stop tolerating undisciplined. Huh? Hmm? Y'all, you understand what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Huh? It's the same way you feel about them friends when you say you're on a diet and they all sit around eating cake. <laughs> that is really good you on that diet. That is good for you. Cut <laughs> <laughs> every last one of them loose. Because <laughs> they do not respect you. And what you trying to do? Come loose. Because if they were real friends, they would not have that cake up in your face. They know you sitting there feeding them more. Stomach like <laughs> Sweet tea fried. But if they love you, they're going to eat with you in that situation. Does that make sense? So let's remember this. God wants discipline among the people. And again, see, discipline, if you shorten the word discipline, is for the disciples. You can't become a disciple until you obey the gospel. You obey the gospel by hearing God's word, believing what he said, repenting of all your past sin. Because as long as you sin, it separates from God. And if you die in your sins, he said, unless you believe that I am here, you will die in your sins. And where I am, you cannot come. So you have to repent of your sin. There's a time when God went to his things and now every man said everything. Now, if you repent, that means to turn away from your sins, not from a 360, but a 180, walk away from your sins and walk with God. And when you come to Christ, Christ says, I want you, I want you to be married to me. I want you to be joined to me in one thing. 
And the way you do that is by being baptized for the remission of your sins. You go down into the water and raise the baptism, that blood that flows from the side will take all of your sins away. And when he washes those sins away, God will put a deposit in you called the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit is a promise that if you live and remain faithful and let the Spirit flourish in you, when Christ comes back, he's coming back to take you home. The Spirit will guide you in the new way of life. When you come out that water, you're raised to walk in the newness of life. But you cannot do it by yourself. You can't do it by yourself. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. 